Hello and welcome to Dungeon Jedi Masters, a podcast discussing everything Star Wars 5e. My name is Todd, I've got Tegan here, and we're looking forward to jumping into hyperspace with you. Let's go! Hello, everyone, and welcome to Dungeon Jedi Masters Podcast Season 3, Episode 17. Tegan, how are you doing today? Doing great. Uh, I'm leaving for a long vacation, so I'm gearing up for that. So about to have a pretty long break from TTRPGs and Star Wars. It's going to be a little bit weird, but it should be pretty fun. Yeah, so we will miss you. Um, we'll get to it later. We'll touch on it later. Uh, so it'll be an episode without you at the first of next month. Uh, but uh, yeah, Great time for everyone out there to catch up on invasion campaigns and any of those VODs, things like that. So I uh, definitely hope you have a great time in your travels. Uh, welcome everyone to our episode today. We're going to be having a little bit of a freestyle discussion on uh, building an exciting uh, character, uh, both from a mechanic standpoint and a narrative standpoint, uh, touch on things like backstories, uh, of course, those specific uh, features and things that you can pick up and just some ways to kind of expand on that. Uh, and, and from a DM side as well, how to utilize that stuff or maybe even help facilitate that in character creation so but first uh announcements on our ends of course check us out dungeonjedimasters.com for access to all of our content uh, including this podcast uh, our youtube channel twitch channels for those actual plays uh, instagram and twitter for some uh, small little npcs uh, items custom things like that uh, and then the best way to support us is on our patreon uh, so if you'd like to support what we do, you can do so by becoming a member of our Patreon, and that does come with some exclusive content, which we'll get to uh, here in a second. Tegan, we have two new Patreon members at the time of this recording. Uh, let us know who that is. Definitely. So a big shout outs to you guys. We truly appreciate the support. Uh, at our Tier 1, we've got Atticus, and then Tier 2, Ethan. So thank you guys for joining on with us. Absolutely. And a big thank you to all of our other Patreons as well. We greatly appreciate the support there. And uh, anyone that is in that tier two or tier three level does get access to some exclusive content. At the beginning of next month will be our next Patreon module. And uh, Tegan, generally that would have been our invasion campaign, but I think with your travels and things we're shuffling and with where the uh, invasion actual play is at. But tell us what we're doing in place of that. Definitely. So yeah, Invasion uh, is still, uh, they're about to embark on the fourth adventure. So I didn't want to get too far ahead of them because I love the crew deciding where they're going next. Uh, so I always say imitation is the best form of flattery. Uh, I uh, recently did the Against the Horror Challenge that Matt Colville had. And I thought that'd be really cool to have something similar for Star Wars 5e. So we're doing the Order 66 challenge. Uh, so this won't be out until uh, October for our tier three or tier twos. It'll be uh, late September for our tier threes. But this would be your chance to have a kind of a survival simulation for your players using kind of the Order 66 as a backdrop. Basically, it's going to be uh, kind of a your players are going to die at the end of it. Uh, but the challenge is to see how many rounds they can survive, how many points they can rack up. Uh, so it should be a lot of fun so check that out if you're already a patron uh and then once you do if you run it with your crew come to the discord let us know how it went how many rounds your crew survived and how everything went for it because uh i 
haven't run this one yet myself. I'm hoping to run it sometime in October when I get back from my trip. Uh, but the Against the Horde one that Matt Colville did was a blast. And I think this one should be pretty fun too. So check it out uh, and let us know how it goes. Awesome. Yeah, that sounds super exciting. Uh, yeah, super uh, interested to hear anyone out there that runs this, how they do. So please let us know. So uh, tier two and tier three, you'll have access to that on the 4th of October, I believe it will be when that gets released. Um, and then of course, all of our previous content, including the invasion adventure, uh, the campaign development series that I've been doing as well, uh, plus all of our other stuff. So uh, thanks again to all of that support out there. Uh, I believe that's everything uh, on the front end for us. Um, there's a few new pieces of Star Wars 5e content. We uh, missed one at our last recording just with our schedule there. Uh, so we have a new species, a new feat, and a archetype. So starting off with the new species, the Anks. Uh, Anks are a bipedal reptilian species. Uh, it looks like they were made an appearance in The Phantom Menace and then some various uh, other Star Wars content uh, thereafter there. Um, have a kind of a long uh, vertical shaped head there. They originate from a world with higher than average gravity and they possessed a stooped stature. So the Anks, uh, as far as their traits that you can get uh, if you take this species, Constitution score increased by two and wisdom by one. So uh, hardy individuals there if you're building uh, maybe a tank type build or, you know, something similar. Their main features otherwise, uh, acute smell. Whenever you make a wisdom perception check involving smell, you consider to have expertise in that. Anatomical knowledge, you have proficiency in the medicine skill. Next feature, subsonic bellow. As an action, you can violently expel air in a 15-foot cone. When you do so, each creature in the area of the exhalation must make a wisdom saving throw, and a creature takes 2d6 sonic damage on a failed save, uh, half as much damage on a successful one. Uh, this damage increases uh, at different levels, so uh, fifth level 46 uh, all the way up to 8d6 at 17th level. So pretty, uh, pretty nice, uh, you know, native ability that the uh, species has. Uh, does not have any effect on constructs, and use it a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus. Our next feature here is surgical strikes. Uh, your unarmed strikes deal 1d4 kinetic damage. And additionally, as a bonus action, you can perform a special pressure point attack. On a hit, target suffers the attack's normal effects and must make a constitution saving throw. On a failed save, the target is stunned until the end of its next turn. Uh, you get to use this feature once per short or long rest. So another uh, kind of great native ability that uh, this, uh, this creature has. This was written by Huge Human, so another great addition to the ever-growing species list. So check that one out. Uh, Tegan, over to you for the next two. We have a quick one next with a casting feat. Definitely. So these are some new casting feat options, and these are perfect if you wanted to either multi-class or kind of build a different type of caster. Uh, basically, you've got the spiritual tech caster and then the cunning force caster. And what they allow you to do are kind of swap the stats you would normally be your base casting stat. So for the spiritual tech caster, rather than using intelligence as your stat, you'd have a choice of using wisdom or charisma, and then vice versa for cunning force caster, you'd use intelligence instead of wisdom or charisma. So cool, a couple of cool things this does for you. Uh, so if you wanted to multi-class, uh, if you wanted to build a counselor engineer hybrid or scout or whatever with the force classes, you could be able to do that without worrying about having two different casting stats and having one of them weaker. 
Uh, also, it does have some pretty cool roleplay opportunities. If you wanted to be a, a force user who uses their brain and kind of and that's how they forge their connection with the force, you can do that. Or if you wanted to be a charming uh, engineer, you could build that too. So it really opens it up. And the nice thing with these ones too are they are ones you could choose with the background feed. So that feed you get a level one, you could go and pick this up. So you could have that build online from the start. Uh, and it also gives you a plus one uh, to the stat of the choice uh, that you choose to. So intelligence for the cunning force caster and wisdom, choice of wisdom or charisma for the spiritual tech caster. One last thing, it does give you a little added bonus too uh, for the uh, cunning force caster. If you wanted to pick a force user that used a mixture of light and dark side powers, this is a cool way to get around having to have two different casting stats because it changes everything over to intelligence. So if you wanted to be able to throw lightning and heal just as well, this is a good way to do it. Very cool. Very, very cool. So uh, if you want to make those changes uh, and utilize your powers in different ways, this would be a great way to do so. All right. And then lastly, Tegan, a new uh, archetype for the operative, the Maverick practice. Tell us about that. So this is another cool one. Uh, and this is, uh, they're kind of going on a trend of making uh, a subclass within each of the martial classes that utilizes maneuvers. So this is the Maverick practice, which is the maneuver-based operative uh, kind of subclass. So this is going to be a fun one. And operative is a really good one to pick up maneuvers on. Uh, definitely recommend precise, uh, precise strike, I think. So precision strike uh, to take with that one. Make sure you get as much out of your sneak attack as you can. Uh, but basically at level three, you'll be able to go through and pick two maneuvers. You start with two superiority dice and kind of similar. It goes levels up as you go with uh, the dice increasing in size and getting more dice to spend too. So definitely kind of a cool way there. Um, operative, I think, is really one of the classes that synergizes well with having some maneuvers added to them. Uh, take a look at it, uh, especially because you have the option between going ranged and in close. And there's a lot of cool ways you can add on to your sneak attack dice or just make sure you're getting your sneak attack dice when it counts. Uh, so definitely one to take a look at. Um, also at level three, when you get this, uh, you get know a bit. Uh, and that know a bit ability allows you to add half your proficiency bonus to any ability check that doesn't already include your proficiency bonus. So this is a really cool one. It's pretty much jack of all trades. Uh, so this is a great way to get a little extra, especially for an operative, which is really, I like, got a good stack point because you get a lot of skills already. Uh, but this means you'll be rolling pretty well, uh, even for things you just may not be naturally talented at. So check this one out. This is if I, if I played an operative coming up and in one shots, I would definitely give this one a shot because there's a lot of fun you can have with it. And especially for the maneuvers, giving you more options and way to control the battlefield. Uh, it should be a one you could really have some fun with. Fantastic. Uh, operative, always a great class in general. So another great addition there. It looks like this one was written by Lord Biggles, I believe. So thank you uh, for that addition. All right, that is everything on the front end. Uh, for us. So let's dive into this conversation, Tegan. Um, as we mentioned at the top, we're going to talk about creating an exciting PC and looking at it, you know, both from a mechanical and then a narrative standpoint, you know, lots of ways to to probably approach that conversation. Uh, Tegan, I think let's look at the mechanics first, because that's, you know, pretty straightforward. Well, not straightforward, but you know, that's part of the process of, of this game. So those pieces are there in front of us. Um, what are your initial thoughts on on that and, and look at it let's start with as a player and then we'll we'll touch on it as a gm uh, afterwards but as a player what would be your your thoughts on on that uh conversation 
Definitely. So building a fun character uh, as a, a player, one of the things I think people get into a lot, and I'm, I'm an optimizer myself, but optimize doesn't always mean fun. Uh, so you go through and when you're building, you're choosing your class, choosing your archetype, look for what you think will be fun to have in a fight and try to build out your PC to go with that. Because uh, uh, you can have one that deals a ton of damage and or it can tank a ridiculous amount of hits, uh, but it just may not be fun. Uh, so just find like what you like, what kind of makes you have fun uh, with a, a Star Wars 5e tabletop game and go with that. So I, I personally love making a ridiculous amount of attacks. Attacks don't have to do much damage, but I like rolling dice. Uh, so I always, I like this why I go with monks, sentinels, or things I can stack extra attacks onto. Even if there's small little hits, just rolling dice on my turn is fun to me. So that's something I like to go with too. Uh, and everybody has like their own thing. I know a lot of people like to have powers because they like to change the battlefield. Uh, so just kind of find what you find exciting or kind of something fun you can have in the build and then go through and build that way. Uh, and one of the biggest things I'll give to, and it's kind of almost a two-part advice along with this, is to build out your PC when you kind of first start it. Because uh, a lot of times people may kind of go and have their PCs zigzag around without a clear plan for them and sometimes be a little dissatisfied once they, they get to those higher levels and get to areas where they may not feel as effective as they can. So try to have like a good plan, but don't, and kind of it's almost contradictory, but don't feel too locked into that plan. If something cool narratively happens with your PC and you want to bring in a mechanic to support that, still go with that, but just kind of plan it out post that. So look at it and kind of know what you're trading, what you're giving up, uh, what that will do to your optimization and just kind of acknowledge it and go and if it's, you're cool with losing that optimization, go with it, but otherwise maybe find something else to go with. Yeah, I think excellent initial points there, um, you know, kind of leads into the little bit second half of this. And before getting to that, I think, yeah, I think that's a little bit of the way that I would, I would approach uh, character creation myself, um, you know, leaning on kind of that narrative aspect of, of who do I want this character to be and how, what mechanics can I pick to achieve that, you know, rather than you know, this is this is the optimized path for damage output or something. And and that's absolutely fine if that's what you want to do. As you said, Tegan, you know, what is fun to you? Um, you know, if that's what that is, that's that's fine. Uh, just just to share my uh, my example here is is that I look at those mechanics and, and say, all right, that feature fits this narrative that I'm trying to create, you know, and, and uh, I think that's definitely a way to do that. And, and yeah, and your point on, uh, you know, if, if something happens in the story that changes that path, that build structure that you kind of laid out, you know, definitely do that. And I think DMs be open to that as well and, and work with players uh, there. If something comes up in game and, and it just, it's going to create this much better story. And if they change a, a feature or something here, or there, or a path of their character, you know, definitely work around that stuff. Because I think that's when you will... Um, start to create these really great stories because, you know, the story has dictated uh, those choices and, and things like that. So, yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. And, and definitely too, uh, if you are kind of going along with that, cause you just kind of be flexible with your character. Uh, and even if you are an optimizer too, don't, uh, don't feel like you're kind of knocked out of the narrative. So one of the things I always like to do is I usually build out, uh, I kind of have like the, the rough outline of who my PC is, build the mechanics, and then go back and finish their backstory uh, just to kind of rough in and kind of bring that all in together. Uh, I know a lot of times uh, the 
kind of the, the Twitter and Reddit narrative against kind of the optimizers and min-maxers, you may not be as built into or dedicated to the lore, which I definitely wholly is false on that side. You can build an optimal PC and still kick ass with the RP and uh, make sure they're tied into the world and something fun to play with at the table kind of all around. Absolutely, yeah. And, and we'll probably touch on this more later, but that lore, that backstory, you know, is going to define why you are such an optimized character, right? And that's something that, you know, you you can, you should be doing is, is okay, you, you went through years of rigorous training to be so lethal and, and whatnot. And, and those are great points to bring forward and, and uh, bring out in your in your play. Absolutely. Uh, so Tegan, you just said that, you know, you, when you're kind of creating the character, you, you create the build and then think about the, you know, the backstory. Uh, is that how you generally always go about it? Uh, do you have any thoughts on, there's definitely not a right answer one way or the other, but uh, any thoughts on, on, you know, doing one before the other? Do you have, start with a character concept or the character build? So I start with the concept first, but uh, then I do the build and go into the backstory after the build. Uh, so I always, because one of my biggest pet peeves is, and I know we're talking about players, but as a DM, is when you come to a game with the build already ready. Uh, that, I, I, I hate that as a DM. Uh, it's one of my small pet peeves. So I always like to go, whenever I'm building a PC for somebody's campaign or a one shot, I always like to hear what the premise of it is and then kind of come up with a concept that fits that premise, build it out, and then look at the PC and try to come up with their backstory and kind of what made them the way they are. Absolutely, yeah. I think you really do need to wait for that information from from the DM, even if it's a one shot, you know, they're, 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 and, and this is for, for GMs out there, Make sure you have that information. Make sure you offer that information to your players uh, as, as soon as you can so that the players can build characters that fit into that. Um, and, that and that's a point here, bullet point on, on the list here of, of some things to talk about is, you know, leaning into that theme or setting of the campaign is, you know, if everyone does that, it's going to create a much better story. Um, you're not going to have somebody that's trying to really just wedge in their, their specific thing uh, throughout the campaign. So... It only needs to be the smallest little tie to the the setting or whatever, but as long as something is there, it it helps a lot. Absolutely, you know. While talking about that, Tegan, you've done this before. Thoughts on uh, presenting that information? So I know you've done uh, questions for uh, players, like you know, new campaign starts, and you have a, a question list. I think we've actually done. Uh, I think we did a. Um, small little one sheet uh, with some questions, uh, you know, for GMs to offer their players. So uh, talk more about that and how you've utilized that. Definitely. So uh, it's just a, a bit cool, cool tool to let players think about more about their PC. Because uh, whenever I do a new campaign, I usually give uh, the questions out. And I also give like a little, uh, usually like a quick PowerPoint that has like what's going on in the galaxy, what the factions are, uh, so people can know what's going on. And then I have questions that are asking them to kind of think about what their PC is doing and kind of how they fit into the, the larger world. Uh, so I did this for my Star Wars games, my, uh, my D&D regular games, uh, just a way so people know kind of what they can expect and kind of have some things to build their character off of. And, and then once they kind of have that concept, the questions to help flesh it out, uh, for both themselves and then for me to kind of learn a little bit about more, more about their PC and kind of have some things I can pull out for working with them or just kind of uh, ways we can kind of both learn about that PC and have a fun product ready to, to go to the table. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that stuff is, is super helpful as a player. So GMs definitely try and present that to to your players and then players make sure you are doing that. If, if your GM offers you a, a questionnaire, 
you know, make sure you take time to fill that out and, and provide that information to your GM because that's going to help in that creation of the story down the road and help the GM integrate your character into the story as well. Um, I think that's that's really the important thing there. Um, I'll, I'll touch on this that I, I found in, in some research for the episode. Uh, there's a Reddit post from a while ago by Jim Baby on knife theory. And so basically, uh, it's this concept that players should create these knives, these little uh, tidbits of information. Uh, and, and the reason it's knife theory is that the players, you know, lovingly forge these weapons and then the GM can stab them later on uh, with these bits and pieces and and things like, you know, family members, phobias, enemies they might have, debts, um, you know, obligations. Uh, you know, things that then later on, uh, you know, and I think like a more of a bullet point, you could put it in more of a paragraph form, but bullet points would be great there. You know, and, and it doesn't have to be negative things either. I think as a GM, you know, if they present these positive things, uh, you know, you really enjoy uh, pod racing. What, you know, that was a, a thing you used to do. You know, you could bring that up and then that that presents a positive moment for the characters to experience, right? It doesn't always have to be these negative things. Um, but yeah, like, Players, think about those little things that you can present in your backstory to give the player or to give the GM something to work with, you know, and and especially in those questionnaires, you know, work work those together, uh, things like that. 100%. And I uh, love the knife. I've seen that post before. It's one of my favorites. Uh, and one thing, too, and I think you know, we did do a Patreon with this a while back. Uh, and because this is my invasion was the first campaign I ran it with. And it's going to be part of any campaign I go on or kind of go on to run afterwards. Uh, have your PCs come up with rumors about themselves. Uh, I did the rumor thing with invasion. And it's like uh, it's them basically handing you the knives. Uh, it's a mixture of good, bad lies, uh, but just how the, the world perceives their characters. So it's just a fun way. Way to see how it lets you know how they perceive their character a little bit, but it gives you things how the world perceives it. Uh, and it's just been a fun to integrate certain pieces in and get a more of a natural way for the world to react to each of the PCs individually, uh, even before they start kind of re kind of making waves in the world. Absolutely. I, I think that's fantastic. And and you know, the fact that they're rumors, right? They're not necessarily true. It's just things that, you know, and did you, did you feed those rumors? Did all the players hear the rumors from each other? So uh, they each, so all the players got, I think two or three of the rumors, a couple I've kept to myself. To of each other. Of, okay. Of yeah. each other. Yeah. So uh, they, uh, I made a little sheet for them uh, before the campaign started where they all had two or three on there. Uh, but there are a couple, uh, and there's a couple I haven't even pulled out yet for invasion. Uh, but just kind of lanes would be either good plot hooks or just kind of good ways to have different reactions and bring in some drama, some knives we can pull. So uh, if you do do that, I recommend giving the players a little bit about themselves, especially the Star Wars galaxy, uh, especially if you look at A New Hope, like people have like backgrounds or stories about them. Like Han Solo, he's run the the, the Kessel Run. Uh, those are different things that people may have heard about before. So it gives like a little uh, bit of a starting ground for the, the initial RPs or those rumors, good or bad, for what the party has, uh, but it just gives you a ton of tools down the line to be able to, to whip out a PC from their background or whip out an event from the background and kind of go and push the drama. Yeah, and you know, oftentimes, sometimes you you have players that come to the table at the beginning of a campaign and, and they have a, a previous relationship. Um, you know, maybe they know each other, uh, they they travel together, but you know, I think oftentimes you have three, four, five, six. How many players you have? Uh, they kind of get, you know, that classic you meet in a tavern, right? Like you're thrown together and then something happens and, and whatever. So with these rumors, I think that helps those situations, you know, immensely. Um, you know, and even if if you have established this, those rumors still, you know, 
can be a thing of the past. And then, you know, you, you've worked with this individual for a while and, and then that rumor is just there and, and something, you know, about them and, and maybe it's a conversation piece, uh, things like that. So yeah, I, I love that. That's a, a great thing there. Anything else mechanically Tegan that you would think of? Um, there's something, you know, we've, I think we've kind of touched on that mostly in thinking about, you know, the mechanics and, and, you know, even when you make your choices for mechanics, you know, how can you utilize them narratively? How can you say, all right, you know, I'm an engineer and, and I've got, uh, you know, my, my potent aptitude, you know, where does that come narratively? I did a little bit of that with back in uh, the Spooner campaign, you know, I, I was a arms tech engineer and then we kind of developed a mentor that became a, a story point, things like that. So, you know, those mechanics, if you will, kind of help define that, but anything else on that specific aspect of the conversation? Oh, with the mechanics piece, uh, just kind of reemphasize, map it out, especially if you want a multi-class. Uh, and the only thing I'll say with multi-classing, and I've said that this was before on some of the class spotlights, know why you want to multi-class. Uh, a lot of times, especially for Star Wars 5e, a single-class PC will be stronger than a multi-class. Uh, so if you're multi-classing for optimization, kind of the, the best flow or best damage output or whatever it is for your PC, know why you're doing it and be very intentional for it. Uh, now, if you're doing it for narrative reasons, go for it either way. But just always make sure that if you're trying to optimize, know what you're doing, why you're doing it, and map it out. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Great, uh, great thoughts there on that. A little bit more on the narrative side of the discussion now. What are some of the resources here that are available for that? So one thing is, uh, you know, every character you're going to choose a background, and that comes with a, a big chunk, a big section that that can help this stuff, the the traits, ideals, bonds, and flaws. Uh, you can go and pick those, you can roll for those, however you want, you know, which I think are, are good starting points, uh, things that I personally, I use them as uh, inspiration. I don't always necessarily take what's exactly there. I think they're good to kind of help with inspiration though. Um, any thoughts on those, you know, core aspects of the character creation process from you, Tegan? Definitely. Uh, so yeah, I kind of use them in a similar way. I, I don't always go with those, but sometimes if I'm, uh, especially if I go one shot, if I'm blanking on a character, uh, I will uh, go through and take a look at those and build some of those in. Uh, usually for a campaign, like I try to like, sometimes I use them as a starting point, but I, I campaign, I go in a little bit more depth, but for one shots, they can be great just for kind of finding, okay, if this is my PC very quickly, uh, let's find some RP that'll be fun. I can go with, with it and go right in the game. Yeah, definitely a great point there. Um, a couple other things here too. It's uh, an article by uh, Sly Flourish, uh, which many might be aware of, um, who does the Lazy uh, Dungeon Master uh, books out there. Great content there. But uh, you know, they they mentioned you know leaning on the theme and setting of the campaign, which we touched on a little bit already. You know, that's always good. Xanathar's uh, Guide to Everything. There's a section on there. This is your life. Uh, while, of course, that is going to be all geared towards traditional 5e and, and the fantasy, I think you can still go through the bulk of that section and and pull stuff to help define your character. You know, they talk about like your parents, your birthplace, if you have siblings, um, you know, your family, talking about your home, your memories and and all kind of uh, content there. And again, you don't you can use it as is out of the book or use it as inspiration. And, you know, these things can then turn into the knives that we talked about and and just create these little little bits and pieces that, you know, then you can share with the party, share with the DM and, and help. You know, create some create some stuff there. Hundred percent, especially if you're 
kind of blanking or kind of having some trouble coming up with stuff, those tables can be a great way to just go through. And uh, and one of the things too, like if you do kind of roll on them, make sure like to add your own flavor and fluff into them too. Like don't like just roll and say, oh, we've got two brothers. Like give, give your brothers a little extra backstory on that too. Yeah. Yep. Always want to, you know, take it a step further. I think, I think that's, you know, just a great point to, to put out there with all tables. Tables shouldn't always be a, a specific result. It should be inspiration. I think, uh, you know, tables should always be there to inspire something. You shouldn't, shouldn't always just be taking the result and using it as is. Uh, you can in some situations, but inspiration for the most part. Uh, as you said there, Tegan, you know, if you're kind of blanking on on ideas and things, but another point here, and this is this is definitely what I lean into with character creation or development, I should say, is developing that character during the campaign. You, of course, want to provide enough info that you like your GM wants, things like that, but then developing your character throughout the campaign. How does your character react to the situations you come into? You know, think about that in the moment, and then that helps flesh out who that character is. And then maybe something through that process can create an element in your past. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. Like you go into a battle and there's something specific that happens, and then you're like, oh yeah, in my past, this happened that was related to that. So definitely utilize, you know, just normal play at the table to help create that stuff as well. 100%. And uh, it can be kind of a good way to bake yourself into the world, especially as you learn more about the world. Uh, Because a lot of times, uh, even if the DM provides like a session zero and a lore document, you don't really get the full picture of the galaxy. And this can be a good way to, uh, and not in a gotcha way, like not don't try to like game your DM with trying to get information that you probably wouldn't have. But it's a good way if you feel find a group that you're player PC may have been interacted with or may have come across before, uh, it could be a good way to work with your DM. Like, oh yeah, maybe uh, they stole some spice from you before. Whatever your PC would be doing, you can kind of work that in and uh, just kind of lets you be more part of the world and kind of a leaving, helps create a living, breathing galaxy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, if that stuff kind of comes out organically, that's fine. Make sure it makes sense. And, and I think that's great. Uh, there's a table um, that I have, it's it's called Downtime Discussion Tables, and uh, you should be able to pick it up there if you do some Google searches, um, but it has a couple sections. One is character interactions, so it's a table of 20 entries for, um, you know, PC and one other to, you know, have a, have a conversation. So a couple of things on here are, uh, what do you admire most about them? So what do you admire about, uh, I don't know, the PC? Uh, what was the last thing you heartily agreed about? What did they say that insulted you? So there could be, you know, some things like that. So just some interactions there. And then there, that's a D20 list. Then there's a D100 list of character development. And this one I love. It leans into, you know, as we talked about with GMs, um, and this is like a GM resource, uh, you know, GMs giving questions to your players. I pull this out during downtime all the time, have the player roll on it. So then they get a question like, uh, do you have any phobias? Uh, what is your favorite weather? What was your last nightmare? You know, just tons of just random questions like that. One, it gives the players an opportunity to have a discussion with each other, to role play with each other. And then GMs take notes because then that creates um, opportunities there for future plot hooks and things like that. Uh, Tegan, is there anything else that you've done as you play a campaign, anything that you specifically listen for, pick up on, pay attention to, to create those uh you know, kind of plot hooks and opportunities down the road. Uh, definitely. So uh, one of the, it's kind of 
really looking at character interactions, especially as they bring out pieces of their backstory. Uh, like uh, for our last episode of Invasion, it was a downtime episode. So we did some downtime, a lot of crew interaction, and they really went into some different pieces of their backstory and kind of how they related to each other. I won't give any spoilers for it, uh, but it gave me a lot of fodder for different things I can run in the next adventure, uh, as well as different kind of hooks and things we can bring in there. So just to have the kind of sessions and we've got a great crew with Invasion, but just kind of find areas where you can get your PCs interacting and talking about events that's either occurring or may have already happened and kind of find, like, kind of really just mine those for different ways you can bring them back together or kind of bring it, bring it back and make it kind of impactful for the players. Yeah, I think if you as a GM can provide that, if you can get create situations and scenarios to invest your players, you know, they're going to have a lot of fun. And I think when when the players are having fun, that's going to be fun for you as a GM, I think, as well, you know, because you are part of you are a player as well as a GM, uh, you know, do your best to facilitate that and and, uh, you know, create those situations. Uh, players tr- do do what you can to create those situations, you know. All the stuff we've been talking about throughout this episode present that stuff in rp and things like that uh, there's nothing wrong with just striking up a conversation out of the blue people do that that's how people interact um if you're you're on a drive or on a walk or something not often you're going to just sit in silence you're going to have a conversation that would happen at the table as well with the, between your characters and and that is going to create uh, as as you said tegan great opportunities for story progression and if there's one other tip I would give for players, like try to just really dig dig in and find uh, the, the DM's lore. And for Star Wars, it's usually pretty, uh, hopefully pretty accessible, uh, depending on what, where the galaxy is and kind of where it is within uh, canon, non-canon, legends, all that. Uh, but just really try to talk to your DM, uh, read any of the lore they provide, uh, ask some questions about what's going on in the galaxy, and just use that as you're building your PC. Because uh, first of all, your DM, hopefully, uh, I love it, so hopefully your DM will love it too. Uh, but I think it'll just make sure that your PC is kind of built into the world, which allows you to interact with things better, and just gives you a better picture on what's going on, which for me, uh, at least I think it's a great it's more player autonomy and better RP due to that. Absolutely. Yeah. Name of the game, getting everyone invested, a part of the world and, and, uh, you know, just creates, uh, I think a better story. Any f- other final thoughts? Uh, that's my big one is really build yourself into the lore DMs, try to provide as much lore or try to provide as much lore as reasonable. I'll say, uh, you don't want to give your players a book to read, but give them enough so they can kind of get a feel for the galaxy, uh, and spark questions that they may have. And, uh, this, especially during that character creation process and session and definitely run a session zero too, uh, that we can give them some information, get some questions from them and hopefully kind of have a good conversation about it. Absolutely. Yeah. Session zero, definitely a great opportunity for that. Um, Provide the lore and then also do some work to facilitate some of the uh, questions, you know, create a questionnaire uh, to get some information on backstories. You know, where are you from? What is that place known for? What are some of your greatest fears or what is most important to you? And just a few little questions that, you know, you can kind of guide the players that information because they might not provide that. And then that can be really helpful uh, there. So, Awesome. Fantastic conversation. Uh, Great topic. I think there's still plenty more that could be discussed, but uh, we hope that you all out there uh, have some value from this. Uh, And if you have any thoughts on the topic, please let us know. Reach out, uh, either leave a comment on the episode or hit us up on Twitter uh, or hop into the Discord and and let's have a conversation on that um, and and how you go about uh, creating an exciting PC yourself. So... 
That is everything for us on today's episode. Thanks again to all of our listeners, followers, Patreons, and uh, the like. Uh, we appreciate you so very much. So, Tegan, you will be out of the country uh, as we come around to our next episode, which will air on the 4th of October. So I will run that solo. Uh, it is a DM spotlight. We're going to have uh, Risen Zed, which many may know from the Star Wars 5e Discord. Uh, we're going to have a spotlight with him and his experience with Star Wars 5e DMing and also specifically touch on play by posts gaming. You know, some may be familiar with the play by post, Tegan, that uh, you run in the Dungeon Jedi Master Discord there. And so we're going to talk about that format of gameplay as well, which I'm looking forward to. So in the meantime, keep an eye out for that Order 66 as well. And uh, we will see you all on the next one. May the Force be with you. May the Force be with you.